Would you please pray with me as we begin to continue to go through this book? God, I come before you as I do every week and ask that you would lead. God, that your words would be spoken and not mine. God, I pray that we would remember the immeasurable hope that we have in your son, Jesus Christ. God, as we continue to live in this world, in this lost and dying place, God, that you would remind us of what it is that you've given us, purpose, through the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. That's not only for us, God, that other people would see the hope that we carry, the inheritance that we've been given, the treasure in earthen jars. God, I pray for your words to speak today and not my own. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Begin with a, a question, a major, a major question, and it'll, it'll come up again. Do we live as those who have immeasurable hope? I was reminded even last night talking with a friend that there is times even in the church where we forget our love. And I often think about that. And at some times it's really easy to get into the rut of life and just continue to move forward and move forward and, and just continue to strive towards the completion of, of a thing. And I think for the Ephesians, we have a little highlight years later. If, if the letter to the Ephesians is written around AD 62, right around there, we flash forward to about AD 92 to 94, and John receives a revelation, and one of the churches that's addressed in Jesus' revelation to John is to the church of Ephesus. And I found it interesting just even looking at it today, and I apologize that we don't have slides, but it also means I can go ad lib at any moment and none of you will know. So be patient with us as we attempt to try and figure out what's going on with our technology here. But in Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, it says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not. And found them to be false. I know that you are, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, but you have um, sorry, and you have not grown weary. But in verse four, Jesus says this to the church in Ephesus, but I have this against you that you have abandoned, or in some translations it says, forgotten the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you did, uh, from, I'm sorry, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent, do the works I, you did at first. If not, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. 
and I can continue going on, talks about Nicolaitans, and I don't feel like going into all of that necessarily today. But even for this church in Ephesus, the one that, that Paul begins writing here, and he, and he talks about the thanksgiving and, and the, the hope and, and the, the appreciation for this church in Ephesus and all that they're facing, and we talked about the temple of Diana and how uh, one of Paul's companions is dragged into the theater and he's brought before this court and all these things that they had already faced very early on, that at some point it just continued to wear on them and wear on them and wear on them to the level that they had forgotten their first love. And, and I wonder, for us, brothers and sisters, my friends here at Redwood and anywhere else, have we forgotten sometimes our first love? Have we forgotten what it was to have immeasurable hope? In, in our process of talking about being the threefold follower of Christ, the first one submitted, and we've, we've kind of stuck here. And in the process of being submitted, do we submit even to the fact that Christ has already accomplished things in our lives? We talked about shame and how shame holds us back and we constantly are reminded of the things that we've, we've done and, and we might even try and live as if though Christ can't forgive me of some sin, but Christ died for all sins. If we just believe in him, be obedient to Christ, that we would be forgiven of our sins. Do we live like that? And, and we talked about last week, and we'll bring it up again too, that it's, it's not just for you. That the forgiveness that you've been given, the inheritance, that, that future payable upon death thing is for everyone to see. I was reminded this week that we don't even spend enough time. We talked about prayer the other week, and I was reminded of something that my grandma always taught us. Uh, and some of you who have been here at Redwood for a while, you might remember ACTS. A-C-T-S. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Something my grandma always taught us growing up and I was reminded of. I love that adoration is, is such a first place thing when it comes to prayer. That we spend time in adoration because when we spend time in adoration, it also can lead us to later thanksgiving in prayer. And, sorry, is she, you got, getting water? Good? Awesome. Good. No, there's no sorries needed. No apologies required. <laughs> we are forgiven. Yes, that fits right in with what we're talking about. But in the process of being submitted to Christ in our lives and remembering that which we've been forgiven, we, we continue to have adoration for Christ because he forgave us. And we talk about the undeserved nature that we have. And it leads Paul into continuing through chapter 1, and he begins in this, the latter part of chapter 1 today. He says, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord, this is chapter 1, verse 15, in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, 
remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? I love the robust way that Paul is writing here to us. And I'm reminded that, that though the Ephesian people, these, these Grecian believers in Christ and Jewish believers in Christ who, who lived amongst one another and they lived in a dark and lost and dying place that Paul's entire premise is based upon reminding each other of the immeasurable hope of what Christ has done for you. As I write these things, I'm thankful for what Christ is doing for you and what he has done for you, rather, and how you've been this to all the saints around there. But at some point between writing this letter and John receiving his revelation, some of that was forgotten. They forgot their first love. They forgot that which was already done for them. And I, again, wonder how often do we forget what Christ has done for us? As those who have been blessed with salvation through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, who have been purchased no longer slaves to sin, we have this immeasurable hope. But when we walk out of these doors, when we walk out of this place here at Redwood, and we go into Grants Pass, and we're faced with situations, whether whatever situations you have at work or at home with your children or with your family or, or whatever it is, your neighbor, does anybody have a neighbor that doesn't get along with you? No? You guys all get along with your neighbors. Wonderful. Do you all get along with your children? Like, honestly, like all the time? No, <laughs> I'm just joking. When we carry about our day, do we carry about our day as those who have been saved? Now, I might be speaking to the choir for some of you on this, but, and I might divulge a little bit of myself that there are times when I don't live that way. There are times during the week or, or whatever it is, I know we just had this one where we played in Wairika the other day, and every call that I made on the, on the field of football, right, was, was literally a loss of down or some problem that happened. It didn't work out, and it's really easy to forget immeasurable hope even there. And if you don't even believe me, if you're a fan of a football team, like a team that loses all the time, right? Like some of our friends who are fans of the Kansas City Chiefs, they might have been people who had no hope in that moment. And, and, I, and you say that, and it's a little silly, and we laugh at it, but how sad is it that there are people right now who have to go buy a new TV because of that game? We laugh at it. But really, deep down... Somebody has placed all of their hope on the outcome of a game. And I don't know about you, but I find that incredibly tragic. 
Right now, let's, let's make it a little more real. Right now, there are people even in the church who have placed all their hope on the outcome of their relationships with each other. Or you might come here and, and be based on a relationship because you like how I preach. And brothers and sisters, I'm going I'm to let you know right now, I will let you down. And some of you are like, well, you already have. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. But do we stop and rejoice in what Christ is doing in our lives? Do we, do we go out and live this life, this, this, this minutia of, of life that we have, this limited time and span that we have on this earth, which, by the way, no matter how long or how short that is, it's always nothing but a blink of the eye. You're, like the Bible says, your life is a mist. It's a vapor here today and gone tomorrow. But how do we use this life? Do we live as those who have immeasurable hope? And do people see that we have immeasurable hope? The inheritance, immeasurable hope, the treasure in earthen vessels or earthen jars. Paul told Timothy to guard the deposit which he had. And oftentimes in the church, how often do we look at guard and we think immediately defensively? And we think, I better let not anybody see it or get too close to it because it's mine. But the whole time, it was never yours to begin with. It's a good faith payment for something that will be given to you later. Do people know that? Or do we just hold on to hope for ourselves and dare not say anything to our friends? We don't want to offend them, after all. We don't know where they stand. I love how Paul continues to say here in verse 19, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in his right hand in the heavens far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That sounds amazing. No matter what it is that we face in this life, it's been given to Christ. Furthermore, if we need more evidence, just go to the book of Colossians, and Paul writes something very similar to the people of Colossae. He says this in chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for for him and he is he and he is before all things and in him all things hold together 
I'm not even finished, but just there. I don't know if you read that and you go, wow, God set his son above all of this. All of our problems, all of our hang-ups, all of our relationships, all of the the issues in in finances or, or government or whatever is going on, that God is over it all. Yet we live every four years in a panic of who's going to sit in an office. Or every year, or every two years, or every time that legislators get together, or every time something goes awry in your life, you panic. Why? Because you forgot the immeasurable hope that you already have. How quickly is our... How, how much of a memory issue do we deal with? And, and again, we, we talk about that, and, and we're talking about it here, and some of you feel like maybe I'm stepping right on your toes, and I'd be stepping on mine too, because how easily do we forget that Christ already did it? For those in the past and those today and those in the future, Christ already took care of it. That's why we as Christians can gather and and we don't mourn as those who have no hope, that we can mourn with a rejoicing of this isn't goodbye, but see you later when we lose people, right? Then when when we can say as Christians, you know, money gained is money lost because we serve a God who's bigger than our issues. But do we really remember that? Do we really remember and live as those who have immeasurable hope? Verse 18 in Colossians chapter 1 just continues to say, And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from all creation, and all, that all things... Oh, I'm sorry, I messed that up. Let me turn to it. Sometimes that's just a lot easier, isn't it? Than apparently you notice your own typos. <laughs> And he is the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, Doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister, or the word servant." What a reminder. What an amazing and beautiful reminder that that's what Jesus did. And I find it funny, it's always easy. We can always armchair quarterback things that happened in the past, right? Like, well, if I were there, I wouldn't have done that. Well, isn't that nice? (laughs) If I were there, I wouldn't have written this. I would have written that. Well, how pretentious of you. 
But isn't it amazing that we have this reminder from Paul? And, and isn't it even more amazing that we know that the grace of God can cover a multitude of sins, right? And that he would later continue to tell the Ephesian church, he, he didn't say what? You're out. You forgot your first love, so boom, see you later. Sorry. One strike, you're out. But even in the, what he's telling the Ephesians later in, in, in Revelation chapter 2 there is, I'm warning you, rekindle your first love. What was the Ephesians' first love that they forgot was the exact same thing that Paul is talking about here. Remember the immeasurable hope. What is the immeasurable hope, my friends? It's the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The blood which covered your sins on the cross. It's this hope that we, we have some part of here, right? The deposit, a good deposit, as Paul tells Timothy. But it's something that can become so much more beautiful when we reach that final day here on this earth. And, and brothers and sisters, if you, if you ever looked at your bank account and you saw that a deposit was coming in, how does that change your viewpoint for that day? Like I'm talking about tax season, right? If you get tax returns and you see that little notification in your bank, you're like, you're getting something from the IRS tomorrow. <laughs> do you walk around like, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to handle this issue. Or do you walk around like, I have problems today, but tomorrow there might be a solution to some of those problems. And if we treat money that way, why don't we treat eternal life that way? It's, it's, and it's the reality is, is everybody else, my friends, is watching you deal with the problems you have in your life. They're trying to see, is there something to this faith, this relationship that you say that you have with Jesus Christ, this hope, this salvation, this stuff that you have that makes you happy? Is there something real? Is there something tangible about it? As if, we're, are we talking about this as some historical event or as living history in our lives? I think that's why Jesus says this in Matthew 5, 13 through 16. It's one of my favorite verses but because before the cross, Jesus establishes what we are to be doing with hope that we have. When he says, you are the salt of the earth, right? Now, salt is amazing, isn't it? Now, some doctors are well, it's bad for your cholesterol, or it's bad for this, or bad for that. But salt preserves, and it gives flavor. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. And he doesn't just leave it there, right? Because salt is amazing. It can make things taste better. It can, you know, like I said, it can preserve things like meat back in the day. We don't do that as much today, but people used to rub their salts and meat and store them, and they would build a rind over it, which would protect the inner part of the meat, which is a great way of looking at things too. Some of you are like, I would never eat meat like that. Your loss, my gain. Fine. But Jesus continues to play with this, and not play with this, but he's being very pointed at this, but he says, you are the light of what? Yeah. 
Your house? Yes. Your community? Your neighborhood? Your work? Your school? Your, your, you and your car as you're driving to work or wherever those places are? Your church? Yes, yes, and yes. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Now, do people light a lamp and put it under a basket? It's a good way to start a fire. But not a great way to light your house. But on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. And then Jesus drives this point home just a little bit more. And he says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. And not that they would go, Adam, boy, way to go. You did great. Live your best life. Do what's good for you, man. No. That people would see your works and what God is doing in you. And it says here, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Brothers and sisters, as, as we went through in the book of James, what did James say? You show me your faith, I will show you my faith through my works. That, that something happens to you when you are saved by Christ. It is not for you. And we brought this up and we'll probably bring it up again. Paul has this great way of rehammering topics, doesn't he? You don't believe it. Like I said, we just go look through, through uh, what do they call it? The, whatever, the power company, you know? Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, all those guys. How those same things are brought up over and over again. My friends, it's because, guess what? Do you think that what they were dealing with is much different than what we deal with today? No, it's about the same stuff. That's why Paul writes about marriages, children, work. We can run through here. People are like, I need a new self-help book about marriage. Guess what? It's already been written. I don't know what to do with my children, God. Just flip over to Ephesians. Paul talks about that. We'll talk about that later. I don't know what it should be like at work. Maybe work every day as if you're working directly for the Lord. Regardless of who your boss is, by the way. Kind of alleviates all those problems, doesn't it? It's like Jesus Christ dealt with it all and he told you, live like it's been dealt with. So when the world starts going awry, you should stand up and be a light in the world. We talked about praying for one another, lifting each other up, being involved we're supposed to live like this is all done. Not as if it can't be dealt with. Jesus was building upon the same concept that our immeasurable hope or salvation is about being a light, not something to be hidden. So I, I re-asked that question again in our so what about us moment here. The major question I asked before is, do we live as those who have immeasurable hope? Do people see that you've been forgiven of your sins? Do you hold your head up high and not some prideful, arrogant sense, but do you realize that you have been forgiven and that you've been given this great gift of salvation which is to be shared with other people so that they might be forgiven, that they might go out and that they would go out and share that with other people too? 
I, I guess you could put it another way. Is your life infectious? Not in the sense of like just charismatic or having charisma, but that when cruddy things happen, when, as, as a good old phrase, and some of you might not like me saying this, but you know, do you, do you embrace the suck of life? When life doesn't give you what you're asking for, when your prayers go unanswered, seemingly, is Christ still your king? When you don't win the lawsuit, when you get fired from your job, when your marriage falls apart, do you still have immeasurable hope? When friendships die, when you're betrayed, do you still have immeasurable hope? Did Christ take care of all that? As our worship team comes forward today, I, I have this amazing privilege that I didn't know I was going to have. That we're going to give two little girls immeasurable hope today. And Elizabeth and, and my daughter Adeline, who we've been talking about baptism with for a long time, both want to be baptized in the Lord today. And again, I didn't know we were going to do this until just before church started. So, but who cares? Let's live, my friends, as we sing this next song. Let's live, not just here, not just in our homes, in our cars, as we listen to Caleb or whoever we listen to. But when you walk into the stores, when you walk into work, when you walk into situations that aren't easy to deal with let's live as those who have been saved by our savior would you please stand as we sing this next song